everybody. Uh, thank, thanks so much for joining. Uh, my name is Nick Gretto. I'm one of the founders of Sounds of Saving, uh, along with Charlie Gross, who you see on the screen as well. Um, five, uh, Sounds of Saving is a 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, our mission is to promote a connection, uh, a connection to music of all genres. Uh, as a path to human relatedness, mental wellness, and a source for hopefulness during mental crisis, mental health crisis. Um, we think that there's a lot of people, especially young people, who may be struggling but don't know exactly what to do about it or where to find support. So what we want to do is try and be a presence throughout the fabric of the music world in a variety of ways for both artists and fans. And in doing so, we want to increase access to mental health resources, create <clears throat> original content based on the healing power of music and relatable personal stories, build a network of clinicians who are willing to evaluate and treat people who find us, and provide mental health resources at streaming and live events like this one. We recently started working with the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline to share stories of hope and recovery through videos of artists covering songs that have helped them through challenges in life um, and discussing some of their own personal experiences. We call it uh, songs that found me at the right time. We just shot Sharon Van Etten for that and we'll be releasing it later this year. And then our next major goal is to become a resource at online events and eventually when we can again, uh, be it in-person ones, by providing access to people to talk to, including um, trained peer-to-peer -peer helpers and or um, professional working therapists. Um, conceptually, what we want to do is meet people, namely music fans, where they are, um, rather than having them have to, quote-unquote, seek help, which can be a really daunting, overwhelming, confusing, and sometimes alienating process. We believe that there's a lot of gray area be, uh, between being okay and being in crisis. And that there's much you can do to keep things from escalating when noticing and addressing things earlier in the game. Today, we aim to talk about what self-care can look like and how as artists and humans, we are dealing with it in the midst of a pandemic and quarantine. Yeah, thanks, Nick. So we're going to turn it over to um, Robert Galligan, who's uh, not only an amazing uh, therapist based in Brooklyn, but also uh, a musician and a huge music fan. So um, we're going to turn it over to him now and to our wonderful artist, Seth Morgan Danford. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Thank you, Nick and Charlie. Um, yeah, like Charlie said, uh, I'm Robert Galligan. I'm coming to you guys from Brooklyn, um, from my uh, empty office. Uh, it's just me. Um, and I'm a psychologist um, providing psychotherapy. Uh, and I'm also on the advisory board of Sounds of Saving. Um, today, we're gonna be talking about self-care during the coronavirus pandemic. Um, we're gonna be talking about what self-care looks like in this moment of stress and uncertainty. And we're gonna discuss ways people are coping in, in their newly transformed daily lives. Because the music industry has been so massively impacted, we're particularly interested in the challenges that musicians and other artists are facing right now and how they're finding their way through. Um, we are lucky enough to be joined today by uh, Dana Margolin, front person of Porridge Radio from Brighton, UK, and artist activist Samora Pinderhughes, um, with whom we've been lucky enough to spend some time before at our first feedback session. Um, so welcome back, Samora, and welcome, Donna. 
Um, they're going to be talking with us today about their creative practice and experience of self-care at this moment and are going to be performing live for us as well, which we're really excited about. Um, we'll be taking questions also from our audience a little bit later um, on Twitch. Um, so if you have a question, if you have a comment, feel free to post it at any time. And we're going to have people monitoring that and getting the questions to me for a Q&A a little bit later. Um, first up, we have a live performance from Samora. So Samora, will you take it away? Yes, thank you. Happy to be here with you guys. I'm really, really happy to be here with Dana and with you guys. Um, looking forward to this. This is a song of mine uh, entitled Process. So there's some things that I don't want in it. So I try not to think about it. There's a lot of ugly things in my heart. I just hope to the Lord I don't. You feel me? So there's some things that I don't want in it. So I try not to think about it. There's a lot of ugly things in my heart. I just hope to the Lord I don't sleep. I wonder what it's like to let it out. That part of me that I'm so afraid. It holds on me and tosses me by Doesn't seem to be something I get away from Tell me how do you name those well-kept secrets That you never say out loud And why does the body see these demons But keep me from calling out I guess I'll just say it's a crisis, one day at a time. Mm -hmm. There have been weeks when I already lost it, but I came back every time. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole entire world that I've created in my mind. But it's so much more real than the one I see outside. I've populated it with people who can see that I'm no good and who know all the best places where I can go to And I'm haunted by the ghost of my best friend who just left me to head to the next world. But I'd like to believe it's the West End with a room full of art and his best girl. And it's positive that I could feel him, but I don't know if I took advantage of the times he was right in the next room Cause my pain was such I couldn't stand it Tell me how do you name those Well-kept secrets That you never say out loud And why does the body see these demons But keep me from calling out I guess I'll just say surprises One day at a time there have been weeks when I already lost it, but I came back every time. 
When you ask me what's wrong, you might think I don't hear you, but that's not the case. I just might not respond. I don't want to be near you because I'm so ashamed. I'll just keep the TV on and just let it wash over all of these many fears. And hope I wake up less weary tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning. And hope I wake up less weary tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning. Please, God, I hope I wake up less weary tomorrow morning. I guess I'll just say it's a process. Guess I'll just say it's a process. Guess I'll just say it's a process. One thing at a time. There have been weeks when I already lost it. But I came back every time. I just say it's a process. Guess I just say it's a process. Guess I just say it's a process. One day at a time. There have been weeks when I already lost it. I guess I just say it's a process. I guess I just say it's a process. One day at a time. There have been weeks when I already lost it, but I came back every time. Yes, I came back every time. Thank you so much, Samora. Appreciate it. Um, listen, I had a, a more kind of canned question that I'm going to throw out for a minute. Uh, um, how do you hear that song right now? You played that song for us a couple months ago. And um, wh what does that song mean to you right now? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, it uh, it means that to me, there's a process in every day. It feels like every single day is like I, I'm feeling 20 different things every single day. And I could be two hours of, you know, very, very feeling very motivated or feeling very good or, you know, talking to friends, whatever, then I'll go, you know, down, start thinking too much, you know, it, it's like every single day is a whole month. So um, it's even more important for me to just remember that, you know, number one, it's okay to be where you're at, you know, and to be kind to yourself, but also it's just to know that the goal is not to be happy all the time or to win, you know, over your fears or your doubts. It's more about just, you know, doing the best you can and, and really being honest with yourself, processing what you're going through and trying to learn from that. Mm -hmm. um, Dana, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're going through uh, day to day and what, what this experience of pandemic and being kind of locked in has been like for you? Yeah, sure. Um, 
I mean, for me, it's been really, I think, similar to how a lot of people are experiencing it, which is just like there are really good days and there are really bad days and sometimes like a million different emotions that can happen within a day or within a week or I'll lose track of time quite easily or I'll have periods of time where I'm really really productive and busy and periods of time where I'm just kind of staring at a wall for a few hours like not doing anything at all and like I really like what Samora said about just like processing what you're feeling and I guess I've been trying to just not deny anything that I am experiencing and just being like okay I feel really bad right now maybe that's just something I'm gonna feel and just trying to think like okay I as the emotions hit me I'm just trying to let them hit me and kind of do what they need to do yeah Yeah. I mean that is the definition of mindfulness which is how a lot of people are um, saying is a way to cope right now which is to just sort of feel what you're feeling, recognize it and kind of let it pass or kind of roll with it instead of trying to fight it. Um, the, the mindfulness people a lot of times say where we get into trouble is where we try to fight the feelings we're having. So that makes a lot of sense what you're saying, Donna. Um, I wanna return to something that for the for the artists in the audience, my, or for everybody really, um, getting a text from a, a writer in the audience, um, what do you do with that the 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 productivity that ebbs and flows right because as an artist as a writer as most kind of professions there's so much create uh pressure to be productive and moving forward how do you take care of yourself and kind of balance that um pressure to be productive with something else at this moment i mean i think that really that's something that isn't specific to lockdown i think that's something that as artists we face all the time which is there's an idea that you kind of have to be constantly having an output and constantly being productive and making things and engaging and being like on social media and having new things out and new things for people to read and listen to and look at and like it is it's really exhausting and I've actually found that over the last few years I've been really trying just when I feel productive and excited and creative to allow myself to do that and when I'm not just also allowing myself to not and I think again applying that mindfulness idea to creativity yeah. and just it's like sometimes I'm really creative and sometimes I don't want to be and I think just allowing myself to be has made me a lot happier how about you Samoa? yeah, yeah same, uh, similar I'm also trying to I, I totally agree with what Dana said and also I'm trying to go, I'm trying to understand why I feel the need to be productive, you know, because I think a lot of times we're just taught to be productive, but we don't know why we're doing it, you know? So what's behind that? Am I trying to, do I need to be proud of myself? Do I need to feel worthy? Do I need to, you know, does it give me joy? You know, so there's, there's, there has to be a reason behind it. And some of those reasons are, are good and some are not, you know? So it's like, if if the productivity is what's giving me worth to myself, then that can't be, you know, I have to find worth in myself that's separate from my production, you know, um, I have to worth, find worth in myself that's separate from how much my work is being received or how it's being received, you know, and and a lot of times those things can get tied up. So the moment you feel less worthy of yourself or you're, you know, you feel shame or you feel guilt or anything like that, 
you think, oh, I'm, I need to be productive so that then I can present something so people can tell me I'm worth something. But it can't be, it can't be about that, you know? So I'm, I'm trying to be better about, um, you know, just dealing with the, the doubt that I have in myself and just feeling like uh, there are other things that make me a good person, you know, taking care of family, taking yeah. care of those I love, sending love out, um, you know, being accountable to people. That's what makes me a good person, not, not the product I make. All right. I mean, all of the things that both of you are talking about make all the sense in the world, kind of like reining in the the desire to be productive all the time, finding a sense of self-worth, you know, within yourself instead of from all these other sources. So how does this current, that, that would be great, but challenging during normal times to do those things, <laughs> being mindful. So how does this current moment maybe make that harder or easier or, you know, how, how does the current moment affect what you, what you guys both just said about sort of like best practices of self self care as an artist? The hardest part for me is just being more time with my thoughts. <laughs> like, you know, when, when I have a lot to do and I can go a lot of places, it's like, you know, I'm definitely an overthinker. So, you know, it's, a lot of time with my thoughts is both good and terrible. You know, it gives me a lot of time to, <laughs> to like move through all the cycles of whatever, <laughs> you know? Um, so, but I think that can be positive if, if, you know, you, you engage with it in a way that's healthy. Um, but th I think that's one of the challenging parts for me. Um, and the other part is just, I'm somebody that's very sensitive. I'm a very sensitive man. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, I know some more. So I, you know, you know me. So I, I feel accountable to what's going on in the world. And that's another very difficult thing is number one, feeling a sense of powerlessness mm -hmm. sometimes, mm -hmm. and also just wanting to help in the traditional ways I've, I've known how to like help have a lot to do with being with people or being in the streets or like, you know, engaging yeah. in ways we can't right now. So, so trying mm -hmm. to figure out ways to be of use is like another hard thing. Yeah. Yeah. Donna, how about you? I think, I mean, for me, it's, I guess, firstly, just like, I think the idea of like being useful and helpful now, that is really difficult. And that is one of those things where it's like, where do I actually fit in to anything? But I think in general, for me, what I, I mean, like, I, I really like the fact that I'm not just experiencing this on my own. And I think that may mm -hmm. sound kind of weird and backward that because obviously every like so many people are suffering and having a really difficult time. But I'm actually finding that seeing other people have a very similar experience to me. If anything, it makes me it kind of makes me feel less alone in that and makes me able to just kind of it's like when I when I'm panicking and upset about it, it's because it's all too much. And when I just think, okay, like this is just every this is happening to everyone, we're all just dealing with this thing. For me, it it makes it less isolating, even yeah. though by its nature it is very isolating. Um, so I'm going to ask you guys a question based on what you just said, and if you don't feel comfortable answering it, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But um, I, as far as panic and upset, what gets you guys panicked and upset right now? Yeah, I can answer. I can definitely answer. I mean, um, 
I mean, some of it is connected to, to what's going on and some of it isn't. Um, you know, I am somebody naturally that deals with depression, and anxiety, and I try to be pretty outward about that in the work, both the work I make and just as a person. I think it's very important to, you know, share the realities that we're going through because so many people are that way we support each other. But um, I, I, you know, currently, you know, I'm, I, I'm, you know, my father's African-American, I'm African-American. So dealing with the grief of, of the, you know, murders of, of several people, you know, Breonna Taylor by the police in, in Indianapolis and Ahmaud Arbery, you know, those things are what's given me, uh, making me, uh, I don't know if upset is the right word. I'm grieving at the moment. So that's what's primary on my, on my mind. And, and, and again, the traditional ways that we would, you know, deal with those things are difficult in this moment. Um, you know, so, so that's kind of what, which, what makes me, uh, and then just not knowing, you know, like I said, that powerlessness gives me that as well. Just not knowing, not knowing exactly how to operate and like how to help solve the problems that exist, you know, um, and even, even how to support, you know, like how, to, especially in a place like New York city, people live in apartments. So it's like, it's hard to even check on people or like get people groceries, older people and, you know, uh, you know, those kind of mutual aid things that are going on. It's, you know, yeah, that's my roundabout answer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I think for me, it's like when I think of the world as <clears throat> this huge thing and that's and all like when I think of everything out of my control, I think that's when I panic and that's when I despair. And it's when I start kind of thinking about everything that's bigger than me that I just cannot help. And I like as as far as as much as I try to, I just don't have any control or power over making things better on a large scale and that's when I despair and panic and when I feel better and I think I've been really practicing this for the last month so I had to kind of think quite hard about when I was last fully despairing but what I've been trying to do is just kind of focus on the things immediately in my surroundings like the really small things that I can do the that just give me back some control over the world you know like doing a fundraiser for a cause that I care about is like a small yeah. thing I can do to be to try and kind of help the larger things that mm. I think make me remember how small I am and how little control I have over anything and that's what always makes me despair I mean can you guys both talk a little bit more the idea of the fundraiser as a specific thing you can do that's in your control that fights against this feeling of things that are out of control and being powerless. Can you guys talk about things that you're doing, small or large, that are kind of within your control um, that make you feel like there's some positive movement? Because that we're talking about self-care today, especially for, for musicians. And so, yeah, can you talk about any of the specifics, no matter how small they seem, that are helping both of you um, feel that sense of control and forward movement? Yeah, I mean, I have some friends who are working um, in Calais as part of kind of grassroots activists doing just kind of getting food and shelter and support the people, the refugees in Calais. And they got in touch with me to do a fundraiser last week, which I joined and I kind of felt like I had very little to do with organizing it or kind of doing anything. But I kind of they asked me to be part of it and I very willingly wanted to like give my time for that. And that's I feel like 
from from my part that's really small and I did a really small thing but it allowed them to raise a load of money which then will go on to help people directly and it's kind of like making I think for me it's like those little links between people who I know are doing good things and just kind of letting them know that I'm up for helping out with whatever it is that they're doing like I have some friends who um have organized getting food to homeless hostels around the city and I was like you know you can you can just let people know that you are around to try and help out and then they can get in touch when people they need support for the things that they're doing and like for me I've found that has been just a little bit of structure in my day or like but also allowed me to kind of feel like I can make a difference in a really small way yeah yeah same uh some of the org organizations I've tried to support, you know, both through like fundraising things and, and just also just trying to, you know, let folks know that they're they're available. Um, National Bailout, which um was they were particularly working around Mother's Day. Um, they're a, an organization in the US that uh bails out uh, you know, mothers from prison. Right now the prisons and jails have the highest rate of uh COVID infection of any population. Um, and so it's, you know, it's really important that, especially at this time, I think any time, but especially right now, that they get out, out. Um, and a lot of them are just in, you know, pending trial, not even yet, but just because they can't afford to, you know, pay the bill. So they were bailing out mothers for Mother's Day so they could be with their families. Um, and that was the last kind of uh, thing that I was a part of, national bailout. Um, and yeah, outside of that, I think there's also some beautiful as as Dana mentioned, there's some beautiful things going around on around mutual aid and homelessness like supporting the homeless, uh, whether that's Dream Defenders in Miami or um San Francisco, the Houseless Coalition, you know. It's it's and it, what's cool is it's very local too. So you can find one pretty much in any city and it's it's really like people in your community that's just kind of taking this on and it's I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, for sure. All right, so I guess it's fair. Yeah. Go ahead, Anna. Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, like it gives you a bit of hope just to see people kind of coming together and just giving what they can give. And you kind of use, I feel like you see a lot of communities coming together and a lot of people just thinking in their local area, how can they help vulnerable people around them? And I think if you just Google, you'll find any, like so many things in your area, wherever you are in the world mm-hmm. yep um so i'm gonna turn our attention for a minute from kind of like service and how that's kind of given a sense of control and agency kind of back to ways in which this pandemic takes away that sense of agency so um on ooh, i just Okay, hello, is everybody there? Hello, yeah. Yeah, so that was dramatic. I was gonna talk about uncertainty <laughs> and bang, the whole thing went out. So thank you for that internet. Um, so what I was gonna say is, you know, this moment, there's so much uncertainty. Um, and well, I think Samora needs to refresh his screen. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's just you and I that are live right now, Rob. Oh, Charlie's frozen too. Donna's Donna's live. Oh, and Donna's live. 
Donna, um, are you hearing me okay? Perfectly, loud and clear. All right, great. Um, <laughs> yeah, everybody just refresh your browser. We'll be okay, I think. Um, yeah. So what I was gonna say is, you know, there's so much uncertainty in this moment, specifically as a musician, as a performing artist, um, how are you coping with not knowing what the industry looks like, not knowing what your month, your year, et cetera, looks like, especially like wherever you are in your career? Um, what does this mean in terms of like your business plan or sort of like public facing self? What does it mean for your creative process? If you guys could both speak to that, I'm sure the audience would really like to hear about it. So um, Donna, I'm gonna start with you. Cool, um, I mean, for us, it, so I have a band called Porridge Radio and but we just released an album on the 13th of March and we had done a week of touring and we were about to start a year of touring nonstop and just canceled it all, you know, as soon as it was about to begin. And I think for us, that was firstly just like incredibly weird because up till now, we haven't been a band who tour for a living. This was like us about to start touring as our careers. And yeah. it was kind of on the cusp of just releasing this album that we've been working on for a really long time. And it was kind of like this moment that seemed quite pivotal. And then we went straight into lockdown. And so it's been very strange because in a way nothing changed because we hadn't yet started touring like that. But then mm -hmm. on the other hand, it was like everything changed because all of our plans were suddenly just wiped out and we're all at home kind of thinking, okay, how are we going to do this year? And, you know, there's like a limit to how many live streams you can do before people are kind of oversaturated with live streams or like you kind of, I think from the moment that we realized it, we had to really think about what we were going to do and how we were going to do this year. And even now we're not really sure. And like part of me is we're really worried about the music industry in general and small venues, especially, but you know, all venues, promoters, like everybody working at every level in the music yeah. industry is facing a lot of uncertainty. But at the same time, I, um, I really, you know, I can see how music and artists are going to come out of this because people are always going to be making things. People are always going to be creating and trying to connect with other people. And there's always going to be output. And in a way, I'm not worried about the actual things that people are making. I'm worried about it. I guess, I don't know if I'd say I'm personally worried. <laughs> Maybe I'm worried. Um, but yeah, I, I guess there's a lot of uncertainty about how industry will go from here i don't really know mm -hmm. samora how about you yeah um i i i like what dana said about like you know the the time period in that i have thought about how you know now this is one of like i mean this is something that's on the next level as far as my lifetime what what i've experienced and going back and like thinking about those kind of events the first thing or one of the first things you'd like think about is the art or you go to the art to like learn about the time period. So I think from that perspective, I'm very curious, like what all the forms of art, not just music, but, you know, every discipline in art will like have to say about what we're going through, you know, and I do think it's beautiful that we're all turning to to these things at this time. Um, as far as as my own practice, um, I definitely miss performing 
for and with people, you know, I, I'm like, I'm a like, like Dana, like a live musician, you know, I love that energy of the, of the band, of the group of like bouncing off each other, bouncing off the energy of the audience, like feeling it together, you know? And um, so just not having that is something I definitely miss. Um, but I am, you know, I'm enjoying connecting in different ways um, through this process, definitely talking to people more, just having more time to like talk with friends and just connect in the more personal ways. And also the biggest thing for me is that I have a huge project next year, which uh, is called the Healing Project. And it's, it was built, well, we, first of all, we were, gonna, we were supposed to um, debut it at Carnegie Hall, which hopefully will still happen by next May. But also, it was also primarily built as a physical installation, which would be like all around the country. So, you know, that idea is very daunting right now. Um, yeah. And so we're trying to figure out other ways to, to approach it and, and trying to use it as an opportunity to think about the digital space and like, you know, what are the ways that we can be still be together? It's definitely not the same. It, I, I don't think it can be the same as being with a person, you know, physically. Um, but, mm -hmm. but there's ways in which we can still connect in which we can have, you know, physical experiences. You know, um, what you guys are talking about, uh, in my therapist mind, I'm translating is, is adaptation and coping, right? You, and this is what we're talking about today in terms of self-care. You guys are, um, adapting, um, your practice, you're adapting your thoughts about what comes next um and i guess that's what we do as people right that's we we adapt to the circumstances and ad adapt to adversity but i want to highlight something that you're both talking about adapting to which is loss and whether you're a musician uh, a parent any any industry at all that's what i feel like we're facing so much of right now is loss you both are talking about these exciting opportunities and exciting moments in your career um, that are now so uncertain and and the loss that that happens. And I think it's awesome that that you both um, are so positive and are able to think about what's next. But I just want to acknowledge too that the loss that um, th that's there is something that is connecting all of us. Um, there's loss all over the place on a lot of different scales. Um, so anyway, just want just want to highlight that part of it also. Um, we have a couple of minutes left before we get to hear from Donna performing, but I, I have one question from you. I've, I've gotten to speak with both of you um, earlier in the week, and um, I, I wanted you to talk both a little bit about how you're kind of pre-existing um, what you both came up through um, in terms of your musical communities, your musical and creative communities in Samora, you in terms of your activism, um, how those things are helping you adapt. Um, and, and Donna, you talked about sort of being from a kind of DIY community. How are your existing communities um, helping you and seeing, helping you to see the path forward? I mean, I think for me, so our band, you know, for the last five years have just been playing in DIY scenes around the UK and kind of from the start, I guess there was always a lot of uncertainty about like what we were doing and what was coming next. And mm -hmm. I think part of that is why I don't feel completely phased by all this loss that you are you were talking about, because I think that everything always feels very uncertain, especially if you're coming from a more 
DIY scene and kind of making things without the idea without really knowing if you're gonna break even on the things that you're making just for the love of doing them and so I think what I've seen is kind of a lot of people in those scenes are doing a lot of firstly a lot of the things that we were also talking about earlier you know like mutual aid and volunteering and fundraising shows and then there's a bunch of people who have kind of set up live streaming channels and are getting really good lineups every day and I'm seeing that a lot and I think people are just still really connecting through the internet and trying to keep collaborating keep making things keep putting stuff out and interacting with each other I think that's what I'm seeing the most and I think maybe that's why I don't feel completely phased because I think that people who kind of are doing that the most now are the people who have been doing that the most over the last <laughs> few like years of me doing this and it doesn't feel that alien you know yeah yeah Samora how about you yeah I mean I think that one thing we did talk about in our pre in our conversation you know of the, the uh, us together before was this idea of the uncertain and the unknown and I think the hardest part of this time for me definitely is the unknown you know not knowing um how long this will be the case you know not um really knowing what it will mean you know there's a lot of unknown places and and fear is uh, automatically comes on, comes in when it's you know an unknown space but i i think that as artists you know we are able to have certain tools for how to imagine through that unknown space you know even mm -hmm. whether it comes as we talk about to like creating a song where every time you try to create you have this idea like i never how did i ever do this like i don't know what <laughs> is going to become of this idea and then you kind of like imagine your way through it. So I think particularly whether that's through my artistic world or as you said, like my world where, you know, I'm trying to do liberatory work or trying to help folks. Um, there's this idea that maybe this is an opportunity to imagine new ways, you know, whether that's in, in personal land where obviously through this situation of isolation, we're seeing number one, how isolated many of us already felt in certain ways, but also just like the personal things we deal with are coming, coming forth, you know, in new ways, whether that's you deal with anxiety, you deal with depression, you deal with all these different things, you know, self-doubt. There's, this is an opportunity to say, let's, let's find new ways to support each other through that and to like be able to be honest. Uh, and then when it comes to the, to like the stuff, you know, there's all these inequalities in our systems that have been completely even more exposed by this op by this moment. And so, you know, the hopefully this moment can be an opportunity to imagine a new way, you know, and, uh, not, you know, not a, a same normal, not to return to that, but to create a new situation where people are treated more fairly and equitably, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in just a second, we're going to open everything up to our audience for a few minutes. Um, but uh, Nick, <laughs> you had a question. Um, can you can you jump in? Yeah, um, we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but um, I've just been thinking a lot about um, how you hear a lot about structure, structuring your day um, and, and how, um, how that's one of the things you can do for uh, self-care. And it's something that I struggle with, um, drawing a line between uh, work and personal time and self-care. Um, but when I think about an artist, um, 
I think it's got to be even more challenging because um, things can, inspiration can strike um, and, you know, it, it, it can hit you at any time. And drawing that line might be um, a sort of different kind of challenge. Uh, and I'm just wondering how uh, Samora and Dana are um, dealing with that and, and if it is an issue, um, you know, or not. Uh, I, I keep it, I keep it flow. <laughs> I keep it real flow. I have like things that, you know, I write down what I want to deal with or accomplish the next day. Um, and I, and I do keep, uh, my memory is horrible. So I do have like a spreadsheet where I like keep the things like the ideas that I have and songs and screenplays and stuff that will probably never get finished, but, um, you know, it's got to exist somewhere, but you know, other than that, yeah, I kind of just keep it flow. <laughs> I love that. Keep it flow. <laughs> um, I think same. Like, I have notebooks that, or voice memos or notes on my phone. And, like, if I have an idea, I write it down or I, you know, just try it out and I just allow it to come. I'm trying, I don't try to force it when it's not there. But, like, if I think if you, when those ideas hit you if you just allow them to be written down or be put somewhere or just to be explored a bit it puts you in the right mind frame to be creative in general and if you if you just allow things to keep moving and allow them when they come into your head to like be put them down it, it i think it yeah it keeps that flow moving but at the same time i've found that kind of designating certain parts of the day for certain things has been really important and you know if it gets to like really late and I haven't done a certain thing I want to do I'm just you know I think I think like routines are saving me the moment and allowing myself to kind of have downtime where I'm not forcing myself to do things is good and for that like just writing down those ideas or putting them somewhere to work on later is really helpful mm -hmm. yeah um, we, we got a question from the audience that I feel like is pretty related to, to what uh, Nick asked and what you guys are talking about. Um, the question is this, um, and it's directed towards me, so I'll take a crack at it, but anybody, please jump in. Um, I'm having a tough time dealing with my anxiety because of guilt. I see so many people suffering, and I'm worried that'll be me if I stop working or worrying 24-7 but I feel like I'm constantly on the edge of cracking as a result. Um, how do I get through this? Um, this is from uh, a writer um, who should be noted is very, very successful um, in, in what he does. But uh, anyway, so I'm gonna take a crack at this. Um, this is, I guess, my Fraser moment, but um, <laughs> I, I would say basically if, um, if you're on the verge of cracking, it probably means that that sort of constant uh, pressure to be productive that we talked about before isn't working for you. And if you're completely cracked and broken, you can't do anything. And that increases the probability that you're gonna become completely unproductive. So the notion of um, being kind to oneself, taking a break, connecting with friends and family, doing something that you love to do, whether it's, you know, creative exercise, whatever, um, or just fun, um, you know, whatever you find kind of fun that you can still do in these circumstances. But anyway, the short answer is um, 
totally understand wanting to just power your way through this moment, but you can't do anything if you're completely broken and burned out. I would add to that as well and just say that you have to take one thing at a time. And I think that is this kind of like that the question kind of it's it coming from this framework of like trying to take on the whole world and you can't take on the whole world. You can only take on things that you have you that you know, you don't you you can only control a very small number of things. You can only have an influence over a small number of things and I think for me, when I'm feeling overwhelmed and guilty and whatever else was, you know, packed inside that is just like, okay, well, what can I do? Like, what one small thing can I do? What about how can I look out for myself and still do something and not, you know, break my back over it? I'm going to do my psychology. I'm going to do my psychologist. Get it. <laughs> I'm not registered as that, but I would just from my own experiences with guilt, I would say, where is the guilt coming from? Cause it's not coming from this moment. It might be exacerbated by this moment, but if you deal with guilt on a daily basis, which I do, it's coming from a different place. So you being productive, you doing whatever, it's not going to stop that, you know? So what's really going to like, deal with that is actually you figuring out where that guilt actually comes from and then how to mediate it through a reality of like you know where you are as a person um you know for me it has to do with the fact that i i have a i feel a lot of pressure to solve the problems of the world which as dana said like you can't do it on your own so you know no matter what you do if that's where it's coming from it's not going to go away. So you're going to have to mediate that by real, being real about that, you know, and being like, okay, I can only do what I can do. Mm -hmm. So maybe the constant work isn't necessarily the, the tool to uh, assuage the guilt. It's the guilt itself has to be sort of figured out to some extent. You got to exactly. face the void. Look it in the eye. I think you're ready to register some more. I think you're ready to register. Um, <laughs> Charlie, I know you had a question that you wanted to jump in with. So if we can um, hear from you, that'd be great. Yeah, um, question-wise, I just wondered um, what your interactions with your fans have been like. Um, what, you know, how, how do people seem to be doing? Um, have you had any specific interactions that have, uh, you know, stuck out as powerful or, um, you know, bonding or, or whatever? Yeah, I mean that's been one of the one of the beautiful parts about it for me, uh, connecting both with just people, people whether it's people that I know that I haven't spoken to and and I've put out a few things since since the lockdown has happened, and they've they've you know reached out just being like this connected with me when I was dealing with this loss or something, and it gave me an opportunity to actually be there for them. I didn't even know they were going through that thing. So in that way, I, I'm I'm grateful that sometimes the work that the music can can like allow me to connect with with fans or family, whoever, on a deeper level about their life and just try to be there for them. So I've had some interactions like that. That's been really, really beautiful. And then, you know, selfishly, it's also just fed me. You know, it's always a beautiful thing to just know that your work is being heard and being felt by people. So I always do appreciate that. You know, we can all feel say that we feel tough as artists but we you know we want to be loved like everybody else so it feels good for people to you know connect with the work 
Yeah, like I think being able to do live streams and kind of play music straight from my bedroom to somebody else's bedroom. Even though for me it feels kind of weird because I can't, I'm I'm on my own and other people are seeing me. But for somebody else, they like a lot of people have messaged me afterwards, being like, "Oh, that really helped me. That really made me feel less lonely and helped me get through the week." And I think that kind of connection is really cool, and it's amazing that that's been able to happen just through this. And like, if I was on tour right now, maybe I would have connected with people in another way by being in a room playing music them but I think it's a very different kind of connection and it's really amazing to see it happen definitely wouldn't have had a chance to happen without all this time at home yeah um we have time to really quickly deal with one more question and we're leaving good questions on the table which is a bummer but um basically a, a, a viewer is asking what about the people who uh, run venues? What about the people that uh, book shows? What about the bartenders? What about the you know the sound people? You know, what what do we do for them? You know, the, knowing that a lot of their jobs are in in peril, and you've got like thirty seconds each. So go. <laughs> well, in the UK, there's loads of initiatives, loads of fundraisers. If you google your favorite local venue they will probably have a gofundme and you can donate to them there's uh save our venues which is a current initiative going on there's loads of stuff find those venues and see if you can contribute to them because there's loads of people asking for help right now and those are the people who you know are going to suffer the most from this yeah in terms yeah, echo that. I think just um, trying to see how we can support those venues that mean a lot to us as a community. They're they're definitely going to take a hit in this context, and so we do need to support them. I would also add, we want I want to uh, shout out support our bookstores. I love bookstores, real books. We need them. <laughs> um, okay, guys, I have to wrap wrap us up. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you, Samora. Thank you, Dana. Thanks for talking with us. Thanks for sharing your music. Um, Sounds of Saving, um, the organization that Nick and Charlie founded, um, is committed to being a presence at music events to provide resources for mental health. Um, as Charlie said before, we're building a network of therapists and peers um, who will be able to help. Um, if you need help, I hope this sheet is not backwards. It's not, okay, good. Um, this is our Instagram, <laughs> this is our email, this is our web, and if you are suicidal, and need urgent help, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is at 1-800-273-TALK. And um, hopefully we can get the UK version too. Um, thanks to everybody for being a part of this. Um, and, and we really appreciate your time. Thank you.